This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Well may we say God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days. Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 92 for Tuesday 13th of May 2019. I'm Jeremy Sear and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to our country, what's about to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is returning guest host, Denise Pierco. Welcome back, Denise. Hello, and oh my, is there a lot about to happen? Yeah, well, we've done our part. We voted today. Yes, we did. Um, well, we actually voted yesterday, but we put the ballots in the mail today. And I look, I, I have I have some thoughts on how to tackle the two different... Obviously, you have to number everything in the lower house and and you just got to work through to from from good to okay to bad to evil evil worse yeah yeah in our case we had actually a a local uh independent who if you look into what she stands for is even worse than the clive palmer mob it's she basically is for the quote unquote christian lobby um but i wouldn't call her christian in the same way she's extremist yeah she's of that yeah um and then in the senate You've got we we've got the there's 35 uh, tickets above the line uh, in Victoria, um, if you count and groups at the end. And we sort of sat down. We we went through and we took out all the ones that were like the you know actual Nazis or, mm. or you know burn the witches type. So you take out Rise Up Australia, you take out Fraser Anning, you take out Clive Palmer, you take out One Nation, you take you know you take out all yep. those, and you were left with I think it was 21 that were left, which includes the libs. But like I'm happy to preference. I'm happy to number up until you get to the libs um, and then drop it off there because, like, it's still – they're still – the, the Nazis still have to be below them. And so, yeah, and then if you sort of – there's a – we put on the website, on the wellmaywesay.com uh, website uh, a couple of – well, last week I think it was, there's a ranking engine. You can basically put in a list. So you could basically cut and paste that list and just take out the ones that you know are at the, at the end and you definitely wouldn't vote for. Um and put them in, and uh, and it gives you like one uh, how to compare this party with this party. And exactly, so you go through and you make the comparisons. You, it'll ask you, you know, Greens versus Labour, and who would you prefer? And by doing that, it ranks them out for you, and it spits out a ranking in yeah. the end. And you can look at that and go, yeah, that's actually pretty good. It gives you a list, and we get, so it came out to a, a version of twenty one, and then pop them in. And I can, I can you? We, the first time I tried it, I put in all thirty five, and I was trying to. Then you're like. Do I prefer Rise Up Australia or One Nation? Like, what? No. Well, wait, do I prefer shooting one into the sun from a cannon or the other into the sun from a cannon? And it became prohibitively, like, just became, it was was a pointless use of limited mental energies, really. Like, why am I trying to rank Nazis? Because all you'd have to do is rank up to the Nazis and then stop. And I think uh, in the Senate, if you do Senate. that in the lower house, your vote would be invalid. You have to number every box. Down. Yes, don't, including don't the idiots if you have them in your uh, electorate. Um, but in the Senate, you just have to number six and then keep. Now, there are people who are like, hey, if you number under the line, because under the line, you only have to, you have to number 12. 
but obviously you know for the greens there are six already so if you're you number one to six in the greens and one to six uh, sorry and seven to 12 under labor and then you're fine you've done a valid vote the that problem being is said somewhere like south australia so we have friends in adelaide and i was looking at uh their ballot and they have a lot more crappy choices but I guess you go, where are the ones at the bottom that you absolutely can't preference between? Like, you know, Rise of Australia or 1H. Take them out, but then do mm-hmm. preference the rest. Because, like, seriously, if it came down to the last vote... Now, I think a lot of people don't understand how the Senate votes work, too. The way that, like, I don't know if I'm... I don't want to patronise our listeners by giving a brief summary here, but but fundamentally the idea is you've got a quota in your state, which mm-hmm. is the... Um, that's basically the, the number of senators into the number of votes, and then plus one sort of thing. Um so, yeah, what normally happens, Labor and Liberals will each get at least a quota in each state, and then it goes on to the next preferences. But um, the thing to keep in mind is that your vote will keep going. It'll keep, it'll actually keep alive up until the very last people are picked. And at the very end, you probably do. If it's down to, like, one nation or the Liberals, you probably would prefer it to be the Liberals. Like, a one-nation senator in there is worse because they will work with the Liberals but pull them even to a nasty level. So exactly. So preference. Exactly, because the concessions the One Nation people pull from the Liberals Make them horrible. even worse. Yeah. Like, um, so you probably do have a choice. And, and you might be thinking, yeah, but I'll get my Greens um, senator up there and then my vote won't matter anymore. That's not how it works, because the way it works, say, say a quota was a million votes. Say, each, say there were six million voters in a state and you had six states and uh, there's some slightly wacky max, but roughly. Say you had a, a quota was a million and the Greens got a million and a half, uh, sorry, one and a half million uh-huh. like people, people votes. So what happens then is your vote isn't, the, the five, it would be a bit rough if they then the 500,000 extra votes didn't count for anything. They for do. They, you know, they keep going. But then you're like, which of the excess 500,000, like would you, do they randomly pick that many votes out of the green pile? Like that wouldn't be very fair. How do they do it? What they do is all of those votes keep going but they get devalued down. In that case, they would be each would worth be worth a third. So the total number of votes is worth the total excess. So in that yeah. case, each each of the one and a half million votes would be worth a third, which total up to five hundred thousand, which is the excess. And they keep going to the next preference. So they keep going. Yes. Your votes will be getting worth less and less as they elect a member and keep going. And if you elect the next person, then they'll be worth less. Get the excess. They get ranked, but they do keep going. So it does count. So I do think it is worth going up until the point where you really can't make any decision between them because yeah. they are that bad and you're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to try, I'm not going to apply my brain to, to you know, do I, do I want to be exploded or dissolved slowly in acid? You know? Yeah. Uh, so I think we put up, we put up 20 some thoughts, some odd parties in the 21, end. I think we picked the yeah. intro that we went. Um, and like, I just see in here today, um, I can see why you, you wouldn't be wanting to make the choice between Pauline Hanson and Fraser Anning, for example. Fraser Anning's out there, um, I'm going to read read you the thing that he put on Facebook and you'll be appalled by it. And then I'm going to give you one more element that will just hurt your brain and your soul. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Um, It's a picture of a Muslim family and it says, if you want a Muslim for a neighbour, just vote Labour. Rhymes. Sort the of. not very good, but... Sort of rhymes. Neighbor, labor, it doesn't parse very well. Like, the, yeah, you're right. The meter isn't great. Anyway, it's pretty awful. Um, it's racist. It's inciting hatred of Muslims. It's just uh, it's you know dividing the community. It inspiring people who are already that of that mind to treat other Muslim people they they see on the streets with contempt and and it's it's a dangerous, horrible thing. It's and yet somehow it gets better. No, it somehow gets worse. Oh God! So the family in question, the El Danares, uh, were in the news in two thousand and five 
when their 19-month-old daughter, Rama, went missing from their Sydney home. Their 19-month-old daughter. The image that Fraser Anning has used appears to be from a 2010 News Corp article when the family was appealing for new information about Rama, who was never found. A 2015 inquest did not provide answers, and the case has been investigated. That poor family is now being used to promote hatred of other Muslims. You're right, it did get a lot worse. Of course, it seems that a lot of the campaigns and a lot of the people campaigning are really sinking to new lows, especially with things that are coming in the mail. And I don't mean the stuff that we keep getting that says, like, this, you can't afford this bill. Um, the Libs are sending so much more shit that, you know, letterbox and Labor, and we're in a swing seat that's in play. Like, it's, I don't know what Labor are doing. But uh, they don't seem to, the, the Libs, like, so, we get so much crap from Michael Suka's campaign. And we had one thing last week, which actually ties into the, um, the Liberal launch this past Sunday, because it was from Sucre about the East-West Link, saying if Shereen Morris can't stand up for the East-West Link, then can she stand up for you? We'll, we'll play some Frieden, Frydenberg being interviewed and, and being asked some pointed questions about their East-West Link shit in a minute. Let's, but it let's, gets better. Yeah, um, what's, what have people been getting in the mail? Uh, well, in uh, one of the great ones is about Julia Banks, about her being a bully, how she's... So Julia Banks, who um, was a person who, under the when the um, Dutton uh, challenge to Turnbull was happening... And the and Dutton's forces were ringing around and basically trying to abuse the, uh, the their fellow MPs into line. Julia Banks mm. resigned from the Liberal Party on the basis that there'd been such an obscene amount of bullying. Yeah, and now she's going, she's running against Greg Hunt as an independent. Yeah, and they're basically saying that she bullied a young female executive while a lawyer in Melbourne. She's supported by radical left wing activist group Get Up who want to bully us. They want to push radical gender theories into schools. Oh, this one has a... Is and this the one liberal... that has, an, has a breakdown of, of what they think Get Up stands for? Yeah. Change Australia Day, number one. Oh, okay. Nothing wrong with that. I don't see why it shouldn't be on... Like, why it should be on Invasion Day. Yeah, fine. Push radical gender theories into schools, number two. Wait, what? Res- respect LGBTI people? Treat them with, like equal human beings? Yeah. And three, drive up power prices by over 98%. Wait, what? Is there? A, I think there's a little asterisk next to that claim. Like, yeah. is it, how do they back up there? Because I like, I like. Source: this. Something BAE Economics Independent Marketing. Dr. Brian Fisher. Oh right, that's the uh, that's the the, the, the um, what was it? It's connected with the Minerals Council of the Law. This is basically the one that the Libs were pulling up this week, saying trying to say that, uh, and, and all the Murdoch Press were running to try and claim mm. that any action on climate change was going to cost. Oh, so and then they go like and, money. it was just this guy it's always this, this particular guy and so i like that they put the get, the get up policy isn't like action on climate change it's specifically to raise up electricity mm. prices by 98 percent. and get up we're started by bill shorten for more information go to wake up to get up hang um, on hang on hang on isn't wake up to get up.com the captain get up yeah website that, Oh my, so yeah, that's okay. people who are putting blatant. this out in Flanders. And they're, they're, is it them putting it out or is it the Liberal Party? It is. And so they have this whole thing, um, the don't vote for a bully on the bottom and about how GetUp are pouring all this money into them. Uh, and Julia Banks is basically saying that it's unsurprising that they are bullying her. They're, that's what they're continuing to do. They're continuing to treat women really crappily. I do like the thing that they're doing about all, all of the um, conservative independents who are not liberals, but people like Zali Stegall, Karen Phelps, Julia Banks, all these people who are conservative. Like, mm. their whole, the Tony Abbott thing is coming out, so, you know, vote for, Zali Sigler is a vote for Bill Shorten and all of his policies. No. No, a vote for the Labour candidate in those seats would be a vote for Bill Shorten. The Liberal candidates, the, these conservative independents are not 
lefties. Zoe mm. Siegel is not a lefty. No. Um, There's she a reason wa- she's not running for Labor. No, she's not running for Labor. She's not running for the Greens. Yeah, get up are pushing for them as a preference to the, uh, you know, they're preferable to the Liberals, but they're not in any way progressive. Don't, like, all the people who, and, and I've, it's terrifying seeing people on Twitter who are like, yeah, well, in my electorate, you know, I'm, I'm in Warringah and I, I just really want to see Tony Abbott gone, so I'm going to be voting for Sally Stegall. Why would you do that? Like, we have a preferential voting system. It's not like America where your vote is thrown away if you don't vote for the, the other candidate. You can vote. One Green, two Labour, three Sally Stegall, four Liberals, five fascists. There was a comment the other day saying, um, that someone at a wearing a voting early polling thing heard someone say, how do I vote for liberals but not vote for Tony Abbott? <laughs> um, sorry, he's the, he's the well, dickhead that they've got there. Well, here's the thing. you vote for If you really determined you vote for them in the Senate, you don't vote for them <laughs> like on, in the House. Why would you? Oh, because apparently people are turning off Abbott there. I don't say why would you not want to vote for Abbott. That wasn't the part of that that I was struggling with. <laughs> Sorry, I was confused. All right, so what other shit have people had in their letterboxes? Well, in uh, Georgina Formeo. Georgina Downer. So Alexander yes, Downer. Our oh, my God. Friend. Did you see Alexander Downer's tweet this week? It was like um, how sad it is that the once respected ABC, nobody, nobody, you know, is all the, all the conservatives in the country, you know, half the country is now turned off the ABC because it's so biased. It's like, <laughs> so in Mayo. An 87-year-old woman is handwriting letters to the residents, <laughs> which at the bottom say, uh, authorized by Liberal Party of Australia. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a handwritten letter printed on a piece of paper and delivered to a mailbox about yeah. how she's an 87-year-old woman living in Mayo and she needs your help. She's a self-funded retiree and she's very worried about Labor's retiree tax. Her late husband and I worked so hard to save for their home and their mm-hmm family when they were working they you know they were busy they made their own superannuation because back in those days it didn't exist and then they started putting so they bought shares instead righto and and now she's going to be punished no why no wait we're just going to stop giving her cash for having to having shares why should we be paying you cash for having shares to stop the retiree tax, we have to stop Bill Shorten becoming prime minister. In this election, I'll be voting for the for the liberal candidate Georgina Downer, because if you vote for Rebecca Sharkey, she who is won't be, not the ALP, uh, you won't be able to stop the retiree tax. Rebecca Sharkey has not ruled out using her vote in a hung parliament to make Bill Shorten the prime minister. But that's not even the same thing. Like, hang on, if if her point, if, if say the say the I'm paying credit thing because. If say say that was a bad policy, she could still make Bill Shorten prime minister and then not vote for that policy. Like they, if you're complaining about that, isn't the point of whether or not she's decided, promised to vote against that policy, which hopefully she hasn't because uh. it's actually a good policy. And like the entire justification of franking credits is, um, it's the th- thesis that the company and the and the shareholder are the same entity, and so that money, same magical money that shouldn't get taxed twice. By, by the company paying tax, and then when it goes to the shareholder as income, it shouldn't be taxed again. Okay. First of all, the, the money is taxed as it moves around the economy. Like, the, the shareholder, when they get that money, they'll they'll have to pay tax when they spend it at the shop on, in GST. Like, tax is levied to money as it moves. It's not like magic money that once it goes to the company, it should never... What, there's a dollar there that should never get taxed again no matter where it goes. What? But, say for the sake of argument, you accepted that, that those that, that would be double taxation. 
that doesn't apply in the case of the people who are getting the cash rebate ah. because they're not being taxed. The, in that case, the only entity that would be being taxed would be the company. So yeah. there's the franking credit justification that it's a way to stop double taxation doesn't apply to people who aren't paying tax. Ah. You can't be double taxed if you're not paying tax. What actually that means is that that money is never being taxed. The company's not paying tax, tax on it, and the bit that the company paid is then immediately refunded to the shareholder. As if the shareholder paid tax, which they don't. I, I did like, um, there's a, a Twitter account that's sarcastic that's something like the Oz Protectionist Party or something. Mm. Um, and they're like, if Bill Shorten wins this election, I'm moving to one of the countries where you can get cash rebates on your franking credits. Because <laughs> there is no such other country. Australia is the only place in the world that does it. It's well, stupid and insane. And it's not, and the idea that ending a, a cash rebate is a tax is insane as well. But anyway. It does get better because Peter Dutton is sending out two different notices, both designed to strike fear into the hearts of voters. And honestly... Is one of them like, I, Peter Dutton, am your current MP? I mean, that's I'm going terrifying. to come to your house and visit you. The first of all... I represent you in Parliament. If they think that you're a homeowner, you receive something with big black and red text that says mortgage notice reevaluation. And if they think you're a renter, you receive something that says final notice rent increase. Wait... Oh, they're doing it two different. I saw the rent increase one, which is insane. It's like, wow, you know, they they literally re- mortgage notice revaluation. What in big scary red letters? Yeah. So hang on, Let, let's break this down. Um, the first thing is sending it to renters is like, do they think that renters aren't very conscious that our rents have been skyrocketing under the liberals? Like, hmm. your rent will go up. It does our, our rent every year. Up. Yeah, like that's already what happens because you've broken the housing market and it's filled with people who previously would have bought homes, yes, but can't. So they're renting, and rents, and and the landlords can squeeze us because we have very few rights. Like the thing that pushes up rents is the fact that renters can easily be given notice they can't fight for reasonable rent against um, unreasonable rent increases because they can just get given notice. Like we've got no security. Like, if you wanted to do something about rents, then A, you need to do something about house prices and, and so that the people with money aren't renters, they're owning their yeah. own homes. Um, and you have to do something about uh, renters' rights. And, of course, the Libs have been against both of those. But that that is fascinating. I didn't realise until you said it just then that they had done a thing where they tried to target it specifically at whether a house was a rental yes. house or a home, an owner-occupier house. Yep. And... I'm genuinely okay. We don't have the answers of this. I'm genuinely curious. How accurate have they been able to be? Yeah, I do wonder. And what data do they have? Because okay, the political parties have great databases on people. They've got creepily huge databases. Ordinary protections, you know, Privacy Act uh, protections, and um, general FOI. Like our access to those those databases, they've got all these exemptions so that we can't really scrutinise them properly. And it's scary. And like they do that thing where they send out, and you all have got people will have received in the mailbox early in the election campaign stuff uh, saying, you know, fill in your enrolment form and send it back, and it won't actually be to the AAC. You'll think you're sending it to the AAC, but you're actually actually sending it to one of the political parties. Which is creepy as hell, and they ha- they yes. don't take to the extent of um, like catching voters that they think were going to vote against them and throwing them in the bin because they could probably do that. But I think that the AEC would definitely get stuck in if that happened. Yes. But they do open them up, send them to the AEC, and note down all the private information that people thought they were giving the AEC but weren't. Like it should be illegal to do that shit. 
It should. And both the ALP and the Liberals do it, and it should be illegal. Like it's, it's outrageous. But yeah, but none of that information would tell them whether you're a renter or a homeowner. Like, how do they... What's their database? What are they using? Are they getting... Are we get Are people being... Um, is you know the rental database that the real estate yeah. agents have? Are they giving people's rental information? I don't. Well, they to the better Liberal not. Party? They better not be. Um, How is I, the Liberal Party doing that? I don't know. I wonder if they just if they're going off information. If someone is doing a pull from something like a realestate.com, where addresses that have been up in the rental database versus things like so areas of the areas that are high rental because they would have areas within an electorate that are higher rental and areas that are are lower rental. So they're just doing it based off. Yeah, but it's just, it's bizarre. I wonder how, I wonder, like, how careful they've been in how So, whether, you know, they're only really sending it to, like, the small percentage of the electorate that they can be confident that they either have mortgages or rents or whether they are being a bit more... I don't know. That's scary. That's, that's a genuinely scary thing. Actually, while we're on the subject of uh, renters and landlords, uh, we had a commenter on the website uh, tell us this story, which I'll read out to you, which is sort of a mix of that subject and also Australia versus humanity. Um, this is the situation. I have a property in Toowoomba, Queensland that we left and tried to sell. After no luck, we are going to rent it out. The house is an older one, but renovated and has four bedrooms and two bathrooms. So remember the size of the house, four bedrooms, two bathrooms. I asked the real estate we were selling through to give me an estimate on how much they could get. They said about $350 a week. They then asked how I would feel about having refugees in the house. Being a listener of your show, you can imagine my response. They said that they normally get a larger return too as they work with Multicultural Development Australia to place them. They said there would be a few people in the family, but the size of my house would be fine. Last week, the real estate agent sent me a letter of offer from MDA of a stupid amount of $650 a week. So that's the, the normal rent, $350. They're sending it's almost double. Yeah. yeah. Reading the email chain, they are intending on putting in a family of 15 in this house. That's wild. I understand there will be larger families that need to be settled near others from their community. Apparently this area has a lot of them and I have no evidence so this is just what the real estate said. But putting a family of this size, 15 people, in, a, in this house, four bedrooms, feels like they are taking advantage of them. No settled Australian would accept that and certainly no real estate would let a family that size rent this house. I believe MDA are shoehorning these poor bastards into this house as there must be a financial advantage to do so, paid per person or something and hoping my greed will overlook this. I intend on saying no. I also plan on telling them how I feel about it. The problem I have is that they will move on to the next greedy landlord willing to overlook the numbers for the cash. Am I overthinking this? If not, any idea who I can contact to see if they're playing by the rules. Now, I don't have any particular ideas other than talking to the Tenants Union in, in Queensland. And if you've got some ideas, listeners, please feel free to um, at wellmaywesay um, on Twitter or, or comment uh, the, on the wellmaywesay.com uh, website. But that's pretty unsettling but it's also one of those things where they can then because they're paying over market rate and they're cramming people into the sort of situation that then makes neighbors complain oh there's far too many mm. people living next door like it's a kind of thing where by dutton's department's done a lot of this um and i think before the election started we had uh, channel seven reporting that these people in in some uh rented accommodation had been kicked out for refugees and so they, they do these things in the shittiest way possible to the poor and to the people nearby yep. so then but then they blame the refugees and not the department that's doing the shitty things we blame them for the well, of course. we blame them for the huge amount of money that we're squandering you know ha- harming them on offshore islands they didn't ask us to do that they'd rather we stopped 
they're not the reason why it costs so much. It's the shitty way that they're managing it. It's just this staggering thing of... In fact, hell, it's even broader than that, isn't it? It's the whole thing of conservatives say that government is shit and can't run things, so they get in government and do it badly. And then be like, see, look, government's shit, we told you. No! Government yeah. doesn't have to be shit. It You're just shit at it. Well, yes, they are. But the mail isn't the only way we're getting crap these days. Wait, how else are the Liberals communicating their shitty message of crap? Apparently in Kuyong, they've hired backpackers to wander around with these billboards on their backs, talking about Julian Burnside and the Greens and how they want to increase superannuation taxes, how they want to decriminalize heroin, and how they want to abolish private health insurance rebate. Which it gets better. Those Those would be good things, but... um... Wait, so they're walking... Like, normally what they do is get a, another big truck... Is it Ang- uh, um, Angus Taylor's electorate where his opponent has uh, trucks with her um, campaign on it and every time they park one, they'll just find a bigger one and park it right in front of it? Yeah, it is. So this, but this one is human billboards. These it? are actually... They're guys with these placards on their back and strapped to their chests. And on so on, they go over their heads and they say that over their heads and on the back... Uh, on one of them, it says the same thing about Julian Burnside, and on the other one, it says, "Vote greener, independent, and you'll get the bill." The picture of Bill Shorten. Get it? You'll get the bill. Right. No, I would it... only get that if I preference the Labor candidate. And I'm, yeah, and I'd certainly prefer that to the Josh Frydenberg, um, who's busy setting up. Pol- so they had their the Liberals had their campaign launch yesterday on Sunday um, at the... a week bef- less than a week before. The, ele- the yeah. election. Um, and, of course, the reason why the parties have their campaigns so... Their campaign launches at the end of the campaign is so that they can get more taxpayer funding for their travelling around the country oh, before such... the point where they actually launch a campaign, which is moronic. Like It's bullshit. It's not moronic, it's bullshit. They it should have to... It's undemocratic to give incumbents that power and that extra bonus, which they don't deserve, and it's a rip-off of taxpayers. And it's also, like, clearly on the face of it, laughable how do you have a campaign launch at the end of the campaign like i mean realistically it's been election campaign ever since scott morrison became prime minister they've been campaigning yes and they dragged it out but it should at least as far as the um camp the 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 taxpayer money issue as far as wherever the line is drawn as to when the campaign starts yeah the day the election is called That should be the... Like, it's... uh, As soon as the government goes into caretaker mode, as soon as the public service has to start, like, having these strict rules... Like, yeah, once the election's called, it should be election rules. Yeah. So we put them all into a stadium, and one of them... No, that's not... How is it laugh... How is it that they can decide, no, no, all of this stuff we've been doing, that's not the campaign, this thing where we officially call it a campaign launch... That's ridiculous. Mm. Anyway, the Libs had their campaign launch. They announced uh, no real... Pol- they, they, okay, so they announced a small amount of money for um, perinatal uh, depression. Or yeah, yeah, perinatal health, so with including uh, postnatal depression, perinatal depression. But it'll depression. be a tiny amount of money yeah. that compared with the need of it. They but, announced that they'd fund the East-West Link. Yeah, so we'll get we're going to play a bunch, uh, several grabs from Josh Frydenberg on ABC Radio this morning on Monday morning, um, and we're going to st- and we'll talk about East-West Link, their, their, their um, promise of uh, four billion dollars for East-West Link. We'll talk about that in a minute, um, but let's let's deal with the first one, which is that the Liberal Party announced a policy whereby the um, 
it's housing. I forgot. The name of it's irrelevant. There's a, a, an investment um, fund connected with housing, which is basically now all Australian taxpayers are going to be uh, covering for people on incomes of up to two hundred thousand as a couple, uh, or one hundred and twenty-five thousand as a single person. Yeah, to get on the property ladder by if they only have a five percent deposit, and that that will save them from, from the mortgage insurance supposedly. Um, but they've they've only budgeted on the basis of a small number of people yep. taking it up. They're going to cap it at ten thousand people. Yep. Um, but I mean, like all things that throw in more money the point of this always backfires like the same way as first home buyer grants backfire because if you give everybody ten thousand dollars people are borrowing normally people are borrowing uh-huh. like um eight, you know if they've got a 20 percent deposit they're borrowing eight times more if they've got a 10 percent deposit they're borrowing 90 times you know, another 10 times you know, they can borrow another um ninety thousand on top of that hundred so every bit of money you give them is more money that they can borrow uh-huh. so it pushes up prices by more than the amount of the, the grant yep. Um, in the case of first home buyer grants, taxpayers give money that effectively goes through first home buyers and directly to vendors. But yep. it ends up costing the first home buyers more as well because it pushes up prices by more than the amount of the grant. Um, it's just a gift to the, the vendor. Mm. This one's even worse because it will push up prices as if they'd given them the money because that's how the market works. People borrow as much as they can. But now they'll end up with a 95% loan. So basically, this is more yeah. money going to the vendors but that's going to get paid for by the poor saps who uh, who buy, or which is any first home buyer who does try now to buy because we're, they're all going to be hit by this increase in prices, and they're now going to have ludicrous loans with giant repayments, even worse than now, with ninety five percent of the house. This is in, this is not a five percent you know bonus policy. This is a if you want a house now, you're going to have a giant loan of right before interest rates start to start to spike yeah. because they are already starting to to everything of twi- and the loan is going to be twenty times more than you can borrow. And can we just mention is that right? That Five the, times twenty is hundred. Yeah. Can we just mention that the Banking Royal Commission, which found that the lending practices of mortgage yeah. lenders and banks were fishy and not supportive. And can we mention the global financial crisis, which was started in America in part. One of the things that made it so bad was the collapse of the housing market because of all of the 0% lending. People were yeah, buying houses on 0% but deposits. But it collapse because the taxpayers oh, are going God. in. We're, we're all guaranteeing the loans. Yeah, no. It... So it'll end up costing... The, the, tragic, the, the worst thing about this is well, that Labor jumped in immediately within three hours and said, yeah, we'll do that too. Like, jeebus. I mean, if you wanted a reason, apart from, you know, not wanting to vote for torturing refugees, um, which... Is the reason you shouldn't vote for Labor in the first place. But um, if you were going to, you know, wondering why should I preference the Greens above Labor? Here's one. Hopefully they can stop this moronic policy. I mean, they probably can't because of the uh, Liberals and Labor voting together. Mm-hmm. But at least your vote won't be going towards somebody that's going to make the housing market work. At least with Labor, they are simultaneously raiding in the housing market a bit by making it tougher for investors to keep just yeah. overbidding on existing properties. Like if they want to be in the housing market and, and have a huge investment portfolio and negatively gear it. Sorry, there's nothing stopping people buying more houses, just that the using it as a tax dodge to avoid paying income tax um, is going to be restricted a little bit. But again, grandfathered. So, like, Labor's doing a, a minor version of what needs to be done, but it's at least better than the Libs making it worse. But, yeah, tragically, this terrible policy that's going to make things even worse for home buyers, even worse for everybody in the housing market, everybody except for people with, who already own number of houses. Yeah. And Labor's just jumped on board with it, for well, God's sake. And yeah, you're, so you're going to create a situation where people have a hell of a lot more debt. And one of the things that 
one of the themes that we've seen through the media over the past couple of years is how strained people are with debt anyway, especially yeah. home debt and mortgage repayments. Most of the analysis I've seen today has said that because it's only it's limited to 10,000, it's not going to get new people in. Well, it is going to get new people, but it's going to get people who are almost there anyway, like people who have already been saving up for the deposit and are almost at the 20% are going to be the ones who jump on this. The other thing about this that makes me laugh is that Scott Morrison is convinced that this is really going to help low-income families buy a house. Oh, it's like their whole thing of we need to give, you know, make, make give more money to private schools and private health because that'll help poor people use yeah. these things that are still going to be ludicrously expensive. Oh, his comment during uh, the last debate, or well, the last debate I watched with Bill Shorten, where he actually says that it's the private healthcare rebate that allows low-income people to afford private health insurance. And it's like, no, 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 no. Low-income people really can't afford private health insurance, and therefore often don't have it. All right, but let, let's not let's not let's, let's get back. Let's stick to the five percent stupid plan from yes. Frydenberg. Um, look, I am curious as to how the Liberals uh, came up with the idea that this was going to be a positive policy and this was actually going to help people. Like, what modelling did they do? We're joined now by the Federal Treasurer Josh Frydenberg from Melbourne. Good morning, and welcome to AM. Nice to be with you, Sabra. Where's your modelling to show what this will do to the price of homes? Well, what we've seen is this uh, program rolled out in New Zealand to to great effect. Uh, We also know that uh, first home buyers represent less than 20% of buyers, so the impact on prices uh, should not be significant. What it should do, though, is enable first home buyers to get a foot in the door uh, because a lot of first home buyers struggle to get the 20% deposit that is required. Now they'll be able to get into the uh, home market with as little as 5% deposit with the government stepping in and guaranteeing the difference. Have you done any modelling? You've said that it won't be significant. Can we have a look at the modelling if you've done any? Well, what we've seen is this program rolled out in New Zealand to great effect. But have you done your own modelling here? Has Treasury done its own modelling? Well, we we have come up with this policy because we believe that we should be helping first-home buyers. And if Sorry, do I take that as a no, you haven't done modelling? Well, look, we've spoken to people in the sector. Uh, We have uh, looked at the situation where first home buyers have gone down as a proportion of the overall market. If you look back in uh, year 2000, those ages Sorry, let's just get to yes or no. It, it sounds like you haven't done any modelling. Was it, was it hatched, was this policy hatched so late that there has been no modelling? We've been working on this policy for some time. We've been talking to people in the industry. But what, Sabra, we have noticed is that those aged between 25 and 34 uh, who were in the housing market were over the number of 50% back in 2001. And today it's around 40%. So there's been a fall in the number of people who who are first-home buyers... You're capping it at 10,000 grants a year. Do you expect 10,000 people will take it up? Oh, we're hoping to have a very strong take-up of this. But what we are doing is focusing on people who are in the lower and middle income bracket range. We've capped it at at people who are earning up to $125,000 a year or up to $200,000 as a couple. The government's direct intervention into the home loan market to help young couples with taxpayers on the hook, it sounds like big government and the kind of thing that you've been railing against. No, we have a series of government programs that are helping to finance initiatives, whether it's in in the energy sector, whether it's in northern Australia, but let me make it very clear. Yeah, but the IPA says it's awful policy. Well, we differ from the IPA on this one. Um, We're not um, assessing 
these individual loans, um, nor um, is the government lending the money. What we're doing is guaranteeing uh, for these first home buyers um, to be able to get into the market. But the other thing I, I want to point out, Sabra, is that this We've is a... part of a suite of measures that we have introduced for first home buyers, and the Labor Party did uh, are seeking to abolish our first home super saver scheme, which allows young people to build a deposit within their superannuation. We're moving on. What else can she say to him? Frydenberg. Yes or no? Have you done? You haven't done any modelling, have you? And the follow-up question. Um, why is it that you think that a policy of, of this size and the centrepiece of your launch doesn't need any modelling? But anyway, she decided to move on. The point's been made. Uh, I just well, want to she go did back. ask him five times. Yeah. But yeah, thank you, Josh, for reminding us about the uh, terrible super idea that you had. So not only are you now, you're now, you're, both of your plans are ones that are designed to shove more money into the market, which will inflate prices further and make things more expensive and more expensive than the uh, increased access to funds that you're suggesting. But I like how in both situations, they're both worse than a first-time buyer grant. So the 5% thing is a way of basically inflating prices whilst leaving the people who've somehow managed to claw their way into the ladder using this policy Mm. with even more unmanageable debt, giant repayments over longer years, huge amounts of interest because they're borrowing 95%. Like, it's a way to just screw them further. And so is his super plan. Why don't you just take money out of the super that you're going to need for for retirement? So this generation would... And because the way that the market works, if you allow these things, you make them unavoidable because the other people people are competing with in the market are using them. So essentially all you end up doing is having a generation of people who... The people who did scrape onto the market, who do own homes, won't have any super left... And they'll have giant debts. They will be in the like, exactly like they'll still have a mortgage to pay off because they have a ninety-five percent mortgage. They bought the house, say at 95 percent. Like that's like they're going to be eighty before they. Mm. Well, that's all right because I think the Libs actually want us to be working to eighty anyway. So well, they do. This generation is being just screwed, but those are terrible plans. And I love just like Scott just... Morrison actually said in a press conference today when he was asked if it would if this would lead to house prices increasing, he said, "I don't want them to go down." He doesn't want house prices to go down. He doesn't want Sydney where the median house price is around 800000 Well, he's talking to an audience. Okay, there is an argument, and oh, sorry, it's probably a sensible argument, that none of us should want house prices to literally go down, as in backwards. We should definitely want them to be slowed down. Mm. We basically want them to atrophy. We want them to sit where they bloody are at this point so that wages can catch up. The two things you need to do are put downward pressure on house prices. They're going to go backwards... Um, but you I need do to... think they've inflated. I do think they've inflated unreasonably well, to right. an unreasonable level. And so I but, don't. I, I actually don't think it would be bad if they dropped somewhat. But that's the problem with the bubble. Like if you create, once you create bubble? the bubble, bubble. Oh, I should have done a toddler warning. I'm so sorry. Anybody who had children in the car, um, I'm so sorry. I've, I've. We forgive you. It's a good thing our daughter's asleep, or we'd be in a lot of trouble. I feel like I can hear her from the other room going <laughs> bubble. <laughs> anyway. No, I mean, that's, that's the problem with when they created the bubble. Like, there was no, there isn't a, if you, if prices go literally backwards, then you create, you create the problem that they had in America where people would just abandon their loans because they owe more than they're worth at that point. Like, you, I mean, you, that's also the case when you borrow for on a mortgage, I suppose you do end up having a balloon. That, but, but that's the whole point about the 20, 20% deposit thing that, that mm. people, 
um, although they they will immediately owe more than the than what they're borrowing because of the way that the interest works, they will presumably have equity in the house that covers it. Like if you have negative equity because you spent more money than the house was worth, the, the worth is now, then that is that does create problems, particularly given how massively overextended our entire banking sector is on in housing. Which is the reason why you don't create a bloody bubble in the first place, and they should have been doing something about it a long time ago. But this is the thing. We don't need the figures to go backwards. What we effectively need to do is to devalue the, the, the money they're based on by increasing yeah. wages so that, yeah, in dollar, real, like in the dollar terms, like what's written on the loan, like what's written in the value of the house, like the, the effectively what we'd be doing by increasing wages, basically increasing inflation in this case, would be devaluing the amount of the loan that people owe back mm. as a way of bringing house prices back down com- compatible with wages. So what we need to do is do the stuff that gets wages higher, which is not, you know, taking away people's industrial rights and workers' rights, which is what the Libs do. It would be re- restoring workers' rights will put upward pressure on wages. We need to be doing that at the same time as putting down the pressure on the price increases. But you see, we should only so pay wages, good wages to people who deserve it. That's why we don't pay penalty rates and things like that. Those people don't deserve good wages. Oh God! Like, or you know, yeah. what was the what was the um, Tony Abbott tweet tonight with with John Howard out there, uh, and and the the slogan was, oh that everyone had worked hard to get wealth in 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 Maroondo. Yeah, I mean it's just the idea that you, then the labor is now coming back at these people who've got some got some wealth because they've worked hard. Like that that's the whole right wing fantasy that wealth that if you drew a line of you know. The amount of wealth people have, and then you graft it against the amount of effort they've put in, the hard work they've done, that those lines would be effectively the same thing, which they're not. Like the idea that a a banker works harder than a person doing uh, manual labor, than a janitor. No, they don't, but they get vastly more. Anyway, um, Frydenberg actually continued. So after Sabra then moved on from. Pointing out, well, giving him a chance to explain what modelling he'd done on this signature policy that was their, the centrepiece of their launch, uh, which they had done so little thinking about that they hadn't modelled it at all. Like, that should be huge. The, I mean, I know the Daily Telegraph ran today as ScoMo's home run. It, oh, anyway, huge amounts of money being spent with no modelling because they don't care. Anyway. And, and effectively, Labor has now been forced to, to adopt this terrible policy, which would come back to bite them in government. Like, why on earth they let themselves be talked into this? Anyway, um, the following up questions were on this, the amount of East West Link, and the very important question of, uh, so if this does go ahead, is this money in your budget, the one where you say you've got a surplus? Oh, have you seen scummo this week and throughout like they're, they're, throughout the whole campaign they they keep talking about how only with the liberals will we go to keep having surpluses and yeah like, but they don't have a surplus you've never had a surplus it's actually really interesting because whenever they do that in the guardian running um thing there's always an asterisk beside it and at the bottom it says budget not actually in surplus yeah well, <laughs> and they've been in the uh, latest debate he tried it on and they uh the, the, i think it was came back and said but it hasn't been in surplus. And, and yeah. I said, no, no, I said that it uh, it will have been in surplus. Yes, yes. Like, <laughs> he hadn't because I was listening and those were not the words he no, used. No, he, he claimed to continue having surpluses. Anyway, um, so yeah, so uh, Frydenberg's asked, is this money for East Wrestling in that budget or is that part of it or not? Or is so if you get your policy, there won't be a surplus. In fact, it'll be more deficit, won't it? 
Twice now, Victorian voters have rejected the East-West link. Why is the Federal Coalition promising to fund it, given that voters have already rejected this twice? Well, twice voters have supported the Federal Coalition uh, when we've taken this policy to the election. re-elected the Daniel Andrews government, which is against the East-West link. It How have you budgeted 23 for this? Sets of, well, it's a contingent liability of $4 billion. And but it's not on the budget is, papers. So if, if you're re-elected, does this come off the surplus? Well, if the state government gives the approval for the project to go ahead and depending on the profiling... Highly unlikely. Of the, well... If they want to continue to obstruct a key infrastructure project for Victorians, then they have to explain themselves. Because again, this is a priority project for Infrastructure Victoria, for Infrastructure Australia. There's about 100,000 commuters that will be using that particular okay. uh, piece and so of infrastructure of question, and it removes 23 sets of traffic lights. Another question, if it goes ahead, it comes off the surplus. If it goes ahead, yes, it will come, the $4 billion will come off, but then then that will be depending on the profiling in the sense of when this is actually built. I don't know why anybody would believe any of Frydenberg's claims about it, and particularly given that the entire Liberal campaign about the East-West Link has always been based on this huge lie that Daniel Andrews threw away a billion dollars because they they signed up to this shonky contract draft before the election. This sovereign risk thing that you just claimed there... No, like the whole thing is that you put in all these penalty clauses. You signed us up ah. like the you know the day before caretaker road or something. It was when you knew it was an election issue. You yes. tried to lock Victoria in so that if they dared to kick you out, then the next government would be punished. Like Victorians should keep punishing liberals for this. Like, oh, they should. The idea um, that they deliberately they were like they were basically Circe. They were basically Aegon Targaryen. Their attitude was basically if I, if we can't be back in government. Then we will, their new taxpayers deserve to have to pay these penalties, even though like it was just vicious. And in any case, also the figure that they're talking about being money wasted, no, it wasn't. Like a huge part of that was property acquisitions that the state still owns, and have almost certainly gone up to be worth far more than even the not only what they were bought for, but also more than the uh, to take into account the penalties that were from acquiring them. Like that land is valuable. That's not, mm. but they didn't throw that money away. That that land is still owned. Oh, it it uh, well a lot of it is yes. Um, but it's also the thing that they're sitting there going, we're going to give this money, we're going to do this. Oh, but the state government would have to approve it too. But they would be foolish if they didn't, if they didn't listen to the mandate of the people and if they didn't, don't care about Eastern Victoria. So two things. It's the an election promise that they can't deliver unless Victorians decide to kick out the Labour Party, which we're not going to. We just, they just elected them again. So it's a, a meaningless election promise. But secondly, even taken at face value it immediately contradicts their crap about their projected surplus because it would that $4 billion is not counted in those in those numbers and it would immediately destroy it. Yeah. By, by a huge amount because the surplus is tiny and $4 billion is way, way more than it. So, yeah, um, why they're, they're not screaming that at them every time they claim that they've, they're about to deliver a surplus? Not if, not if you get your way, you're not. You're, you're promising money that would, would be way more than that. Oh, my goodness. Um. To actually go back to something that we were just talking about, is because I've just seen this on Twitter, apparently Rain and Horn and a couple of the real estate agents are actually sending out information on official letterhead warning tenants that their rents and unemployment will rise if Labour is elected. 
You scumbag. No, no, they're actually, it's a letter dated the 10th of May. Rain and Horn, dear tenant, the Real Estate Institute of Australia have never been involved in politics, but feel the changes that will occur if we have a change in government will be devastating. Attached, please find some information from REIA. Please like our page on Facebook to see if any changes affect you. And the thing talks about how losing negative gearing because you're currently renting, it might be tempting to dismiss the latest political uh, battle over whether negative gearing should be abolished. But you might think it's a good thing, but the end result is if prices go down, rents will rise. Here's the truth, plain and simple. If the plan changes to negative gearing, go ahead. My mouth is open. This is just holy shit. The fall in property prices will decrease the value of 18 million Australians' retirement nest eggs. Further, government savings will be less than estimated. Unemployment will rise and our whole economy will be in jeopardy. Does that sound appealing? It's important that Australians understand what's really going on. Your voice counts. Holy crap. Oh, my God. So, like, so, d- d- Okay, hopefully tenants are well aware that real estate agents are not in the business of hoping that rents go down. Real estate agents make money out of house prices being high uh, because they, their commissions go up and out of being able to charge more rent because then uh, landlords can pay them more money for it. So, like, if anybody believe, Wow. They... I, do they think? Do it, would it work? Are there any tenants like it would only work on vulnerable tenants who are going to be like? No, you're right, absolutely. But if you get something from your real estate agent with a letter and something in it saying it that backfires. rents are going to go up, like that would be terrifying. Oh, my real estate agent, the people who come and invade my house every six months and treat me with absolute contempt, they want me to vote for the libs. So if you go to um, go f yourself, the REIA, there's a one of the top tabs is the 2019 election campaign. How and it has brother. a copy of this flyer. Yeah, my your voice counts. Yeah, my voice bloody does count. You, you scumbags. Oh wow! That's... Hopefully tenants, because the I mean, hopefully tenants are well aware <laughs> of how much contempt that the <laughs> land rats hold them in, and how few rights we have, and how every right that we gain, these scumbags um, spend money lobbying against. So they're not on our side. They're on the side wow. of the people who own everything and who are exploiting us. They have a slightly different one for landlords. You know, you'll still be able to negative gear your property because the changes will be from the 1st January 2020. But here's the truth, plain and simple. And it's the same thing. Government savings, unemployment. Does that sound appealing? The, the idea that as house prices have gone up, the land rats haven't been using that as justification to push up our rents. Like everybody who's renting is well aware that as house prices have skyrocketed, so have our rents. The idea that if they stop skyrocketing, our rents will go up. So which situation do our rents go down, dickheads? Mm. When, do, when, do I, when do we get some rent relief? What's your plan for that? You, uh, you, anyway, oh. I'm furious. Interestingly, the, um, the address that authorizes it is based here. It, oh, no, so Deacon ACT, so not, not our electorate. No. Um, I just said this moment. But, uh, uh, yeah, so they're all various. There's one for buyers. There's one for homeowners. They're all a variety of things. But, yeah, to, if we got that with our agent's actual letterhead on the front, I... That's dodgy. But, that... No, but but remember, we're we're renters, so we actually have no rights. What can you do? What take it up with the real estate agent? Get notice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got no right. They, they, they basically they've got an oppressed group of people that they can do what they like to because none, we don't have any rights. And and fundamentally, if they feel like it, the land rights can just give you notice, and you've got to find money for a bond. You've got to find mm. money for removalists. You've got what sixty days to get out. You've got strangers coming through your house while you're paying rent. Yeah, it's terrifying. You've got no right. In Victoria, we got some more renters' rights recently, but they're still not enough. Like fundamentally, and they're still not implemented. So they're in the process of implementing yeah. them. <laughs> and, and even those, like 
they got rid of no uh, no reason evictions. Well, sorry, when when it actually comes in, and they they got rid of the rent ability of landlords to be able to say you can't have a pet. Except landlords don't actually need like it's really easy for them to just find a reason if they want to kick you out. Yeah. Um. It, and in terms of the pet thing, say you had pets and you told them about it. Well, then how are you going to find, like, it'll go on the giant database and how you find accommodation in the future because they can note down that you've got, mm. like, it, they don't have to give, even when that comes in, it's not really a protection because if, if tenants tell the landlords they have animals, then the landlords will be able to discriminate against them and they don't have to give a reason why they don't select them as a tenant. They can yeah. just go, nah, bad luck. I'm hoping that la- that tenants are able to realise that the landlords are not on their side and then that what's in their interest is not in your interests and therefore don't believe their shit. They are mm. fighting for the people who are, you know, jacking up your rent every year. These aren't people who are your friends. But I don't know if, how many vulnerable people there are. I don't know whether it will work. It's really scary. Yep. Actually, just before we leave Frydenberg, um, he, he did make this other reference at that end of that interview and it's one that um, Scummo and the other libs quote, so I'm... I suppose I better play it for you so you've heard it and, and then we can explain where the crap comes from. Bill Shorten, who has a lot of unexplained questions about his $387 billion of higher taxes that he's yet to come clean to the Australian people with. So you'll hear the $387 billion figure um, and it, sometimes they refer to them as new taxes, sometimes they refer to them as increased taxes, sometimes they refer to them as higher taxes, depending on whether they think that they're going to get called out on it or not. So um, what are the? where does this figure come from? Like, It, it comes from Treasury because the Leave's got them to, quote, cost the pol- what, what they describe as the parameters of the Labor policies. Uh, but they're not exactly a bunch of new and higher taxes. Like, they, are they? They where where do, where do the numbers come from? Like, what's it add up for up to? Well, like a good majority of it is that they just won't implement the coalition's plan to raise the nineteen percent tax bracket threshold. So that tax bracket threshold from um from forty one thousand to forty five thousand from twenty twenty two, and then flatten the tax brackets from twenty twenty four. So. Everyone between forty five thousand and two hundred thousand gets taxed the same. Would get taxed the same. Yeah, and so, then a whole lot of it. So hang on, that's that's not an increased tax. It is true that it's a higher tax in the sense that the Libs are planning on lowering it, but for people, it's like lower for the people up the top, not for the people down the bottom. Okay, so yep. that look, I suppose you can argue it's high. It's not an increased tax because that implies it's higher than now. That's how w- verbs work. Increased means higher than yeah it goes up it wouldn't be going up it would be staying the same it just wouldn't be going down so higher is technically true but yeah increased and new are not true nope. <laughs> so those are lies okay so that's that's 200 and what was it 230 of the 387 yeah. billion right yeah 57 billion is uh ending the taxpayer funded cash rebates for self-funded entirees aka the franking credits well, it's not the frank. It's the frank. Yeah, the the one, the one where you get franking credit, the excess cash franking payouts, credits. Yes. Yeah, when you don't pay any tax. Yes, that's not a tax. It's ending a rort mm. for people who don't pay tax. The it says thirty five billion to phase out negative gearing for existing dwellings and have the capital gains concession tax from January first, twenty twenty. So that's a projection based on depending yep. on how many people like exit the market and build and then and then a pay. Oh, sorry, no. That, no, that's based on people ignoring the because uh, it's only on new people, yeah. And that's assuming that people's uh, behaviour doesn't change and the investors just keep 
buying more investment properties and if and then there would have been a negative game that they can't claim now because Labor's policy is a grandfathered and b doesn't apply to new properties. Yes. So the only way that so to to say that's going to cost fifty seven billion dollars implies that under the libs there's going to be thirty five billion dollars worth more of money that we would be giving up through this negative gearing um, people letting this is thirty five billion dollars that under the libs people on higher incomes would be able to reduce their incomes and reduce them sorry not reduce their incomes reduce the amount of tax they have to pay by reducing their incomes. And the amount of tax they would have had to have paid would be $35 billion under the libs. This is not people who've built new houses. These are people who are going to be coming in under the libs. The libs reckon that that there'll be enough people coming in, buying more properties, pushing up prices, Mm. um, outbidding uh, home buyers uh, for these properties, and that we will be paying under the libs $35 billion of reduced taxes to these people to continue making housing worse. Yep. Whereas under Labor, they could still invest in things. They just wouldn't. They would just have to be. They have to be expanding the housing supply and mm. not not app, you know not not forcing uh, prices up on existing. Okay, right. That's that seems to me it's not an increased tax. Nobody who currently has it will be paying tax on yeah. that tax. You would have to do something new. Yeah. For that tax to apply, right? Um, they will be raising twenty-seven billion apparently by taxing trusts. Good. Yeah. So again, that's money that should be taxed and is being hidden in uh, opaque trusts, mm. and it's ta- being dodged. That's not a new tax. That's stopping people ducking tax using trusts. Thirty-four billion in changes to super, including lowering the high-income super contribution threshold to two hundred thousand. So wait, we're giving taxpayer money at the moment to people who are on very high super amount. Oh, of course, it's the thing where you, if you've got a really high income, you can just keep shoving to super yeah. and we're getting, you're getting this extra money from the taxpayer for it. Well, because it reduces, again, it reduces your taxable income. No, no, that, that sounds like that we're actually giving an actual, we're actually giving, because it's, it's a contribution thing, isn't it? It's the thing where the government chucks in when you put money in super. Oh, do they match? And it's on really high. But I thought income. they also, there was also a tax-free point of it too. Anyway, that, that looks to me like yeah. it's, in, you're, we're stopping giving. That's again stopping giving money to people who've got mm. a shitload. It's yeah. not a tax as so much as a no no more free money from the taxpayer. While people are, can can I interrupt this for a second to just uh, remind you? Of, it's a choice that that money being instead maybe it could go towards not uh, killing people with cruelty in social security. For example, did you see the story this week of a Melbourne man dying from bowel cancer? while waiting for his disability support pension claim to be approved. Sadly, I did. He had he was left to survive on Newstart, so less than 200... Was it $260 a week? Um, which is wouldn't cover rent. Uh, as he battled stage 3 bowel cancer. Mm. So it left him on Newstart. He had stage 3 bowel cancer. He earlier had attempted suicide after learning of a two-month wait on his pension claim. Two months! What are you supposed to do to live? Um, then he died... Uh, with his claim still pending 54 days after he first lodged the application with Centlink, posthumously, they approved his claim. Yeah. They, they have confirmed they're going to pay his estate $4,207.33 in back pay. Well, that's okay then, isn't it? <laughs> that's, at least his estate will get that $4,000 rather than, you know, him when he needed it. Yeah. Um, and then, after that, his advocate uh, then reports that the, new, the then Commonwealth kept on paying... 
uh, paid another $1,063.40 on the fortnightly payment. So they took forever to approve him till waiting till after he was dead. And then they didn't, after they were told that he was dead, they then put in another $1,063.40, uh, which is now a debt yeah. that is owed. Like, what? There's a whole bunch of other reports, though, of similar things. For example, apparently an Adelaide teenager had her, uh, who's on cancer medication had her claim denied. A Victorian woman undergoing chemotherapy was knocked back for the pension. And in March, apparently a New South Wales woman with stage 4 colon cancer had a claim denied. And keep in mind that the, the, the fundamental uh, way that they've made, they've, this huge change they've made to Social Security is that they don't pay the Social Security to which you would have been entitled when you applied. In the old days... When you applied, then they processed it, and then they backpaid to that when you had applied, if you were entitled to it. Now they don't. So they have an incentive. They can reduce their social security payments. They can reduce the amount of money they give to people by taking longer and longer to process their claims because they don't backpay them. So we've created an incentive for the mm. government to be even worse at processing claims. Yeah. That claim should be paid straight away. It should be a like the I mean, the government claws the money back if people don't don't aren't entitled to it. Like it's very good at clawing money back from the very poor. Yeah, like, oh yes, in it fact, is. the Libs budget entirely banks on being able to squeeze a ridiculous amount of money out of people who don't have any money. Like it's ridiculous. And it's interesting because they count on that money and that money goes into the budget whether or not they'll actually get it or not. And we've talked about that previously, about how that's even if they don't think they'll ever be able to recover that money, that money is still counted as part of their surplus. Well, their projected hypothetical surplus that doesn't because, even match what they're promising. To because them. they're owed it, they count it. Yeah, um, yes, that's right. It's it's a it's a uh, it's a credit of it's an IOU from somebody who can't pay it. So yeah. brilliant. Um, but yeah, the, the, the very fact that that they don't that they don't back pay is such a it's slid under the radar. But that that change from this year is such an enormous shift in the idea mm. of social security and the idea that we even have a social safety net because we've, the government basically doesn't have to pay you even when you're entitled to it. Well, and I think that's one of the the big things that's coming up with Shorten's uh, launch last week and his costings that have come out. Which um, doesn't count an increase in new start. Which doesn't count an increase in new start. And but they do they do have the money for it because, they've, because of getting rid of this. Absolutely. Extras. And rather than... Honestly, rather than the East-West link, I would rather my a surplus be spent on New Start increasing. Um, I don't care if we go into deficit to fund New Start. The idea that I am <laughs> with him. What I'm saying is, there he's being attacked for. Oh, well, you're already spending your surplus, and they're saying because you haven't budgeted for it. And meanwhile, Friedenberg's over here saying, "Well, that four billion would come from the surplus." And even if Labor did fund the, do uh, promise to uh, an increase in New Start, which they should have done immediately, like uh-huh. they can they can have an inquiry, the eighty month inquiry into how much it should go up by, that's fine. But everybody uh, in the parliament, even the Conservatives, agree that New Start is too low. Yeah. So incre- do an immediate increase when you get in. Promise an immediate increase. You can yeah. um, add more down the track, and uh, it shouldn't take you eighteen months to figure this out. It should be much quicker than that. But. Um, well, and his his whole concept that it needs to be the whole system needs to be fixed, and we have to think, figure out other ways to help people. Because oh, cool! Well, they can just starve in the meantime. That's great. Exactly. Raise new start in the short term as an initial thing, and from there, then figure out all the other ways. Then do as part of the whole tranche of changes, do that investigation and find the other ways that you can help and that you can assist. But raise the damn payment. 
All right. So he can do that because he has this extra money that isn't isn't being squandered by the libs on tax cuts and shit uh, and payouts to rich people. Because I, I love that as you go through each of that $387 billion, each of those items, you'll find that all of them are money that effectively the liberals are giving to the rich. Yeah. What what were the remaining things? The last two things are $6.5 billion um, for the deficit levy, which is an income tax on really high income earners. And I mean really high income earners. Uh, how um, high? People meaning earning more than 180, it's a 2% levy on people earning more than $180,000 a year. Okay. Okay. That, I'll accept that that is, well, it's actually not an increased tax because the levy is currently in place. So it's actually continuing, but it's it's higher, but not and it's not an increased tax. Okay. What was the last one? And the last is $2 billion, uh, through closing the loophole. That is people claiming accountant's fees. Um, so, but people over a certain income being able to claim all their accountants' fees uh, on their income tax as a deduction. Ah, the thing where you you, you pay the yeah you, you pay the accountant to avoid your any of this money going to general revenue because you'd rather spend that money going to an accountant yeah. than you would a tax pay, you know it, it being directed to poor people. Okay, fine, those people are terrible. Okay, that's not a. Is that a new? Ta- can you describe? It's going to cap deductions. So you'll still be able to claim something, but you won't be able to go... You won't be able to be like spend you know tens of thousands like a rich person and then get the tax pay, they get that to come out of your income. Exactly. Does that count? Does getting rid of a ridiculous deduction count as an an increased tax? I suppose you would pay more tax, but it's but not it, actually a new tax. It's a it's ending in a, a way of avoiding tax. I think Shorten has been very smart when he's been phrasing it because I think he's been and he's been correct that he's talking about closing a lot of loopholes. Yeah. Closing a lot of loopholes that help only certain people and only a very small percentage of people. Oh, the, the people who are benefiting that are only the very rich. Like, mm. um, in high, yeah, so on, on liberal.org.au, they describe it as um, higher taxes. They, they aren't, aren't calling it increased taxes, but you, you won't have to look very far to see liberal candidates calling it that mm. throughout the campaign. Now, uh, I'm going to suggest that we cover two more things before we finish this episode. I know we're at uh, over an hour now and i think it's probably time to wrap it up a bit but there are two more things and i think we should seize the opportunity while we currently have sleeping children sorry what? That, sorry if the episode has been a bit late this week we've had some it turns out that toddlers plus infants equals oh. difficult podcast times so um but you know that's that's the life of a you know father and a mother we just had mother's day uh oh. We the next see oh. i'm trying for a segue here into the I, I like the summit. segue i like the segue um and did you, did you, uh, I, I know you were showing me that uh, advertisement you thought, saw from, I think it was Super Cheap Auto or something when you saw it. It was, a, it was for Mother's Day and they were, in, they were suggesting that, oh, that what yeah. every mother need. What, is, what does every mother want? Everybody, every mother wants a set of um, car seats for their car, for their babies, and possibly some little like nuts and bolts that you need to fix your car. Interesting because when you get the It's For Him gift card at your local Coles or Woolworths, it actually has super cheap auto on it. So I'm not sure that they're allowed to advertise for Mother's Day as well. That said, the fact that they know that what mothers really want is a car seat because that nothing... <laughs> I, I feel like they, they had to say women as well as, I don't know, the Prime Minister. Uh, did you see that on uh, for Mother's Day, Scott Morrison was promising, he pledged... This is, he did an interview with the Weekend Australian. Um, and it reads, uh, Scott Morrison has pledged to ensure that all women, including those who stay at home to care for children get, quote, respect, acknowledgement and appreciation from him as Prime Minister in a re-elected coalition government. Is that is what you've been seeking? You want respect, acknowledgement and appreciation from Scott Morrison? I think I assume that's what... I'd like, you know, 
systematic change. Oh, better protections for women. Better, better protection better. for women, especially, yeah, superannuation to be equaled out for stay-at-home parents. I'd like for both parents to be treated equally and for the burden to fall a bit more, you know, down the middle. You'd like... Oh, okay. I mean, I'm less not... Less pay not gap. Concerned. You know, less gendered pay gap would be nice. More representation of women in higher echelons. What, including the Liberal Party? No, 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 no. Remember, as he said... Um, you know, it doesn't want to have women get ahead at the expense of other people, which in that case would be male Liberal Party politicians. <laughs> exactly. Um, he's quoted in the article saying he wants, quote, all Australians to have more choices, particularly women, but does not want any choice women make to be seen as less important than any other choice. Quote, it's not for me to add value judgments about any of those choices, particularly as a bloke, he said. But I don't think we should. Why is one choice of one woman or one man any better than another in terms of how they want to live their life? Well... Yeah, so it's important they have choices, but their choices aren't important. We're certainly not going to do anything to assist them overcoming structural uh, barriers. Yeah, or inequalities. Hmm. And I mean, you can tell how well his approach works based on how how many women are uh, in the front bench of the Liberal Party uh, coming up to this election campaign. You can also tell how well his approach works from his... uh, Action at a media conference today with um, the local candidate Melissa McIntosh. Oh yeah, that's right. He actually, yeah. So he's taking questions and he stops the question and he stops the questioning and leads them out and grabs her hand to pull her away from the microphone. They're calling uh, out to ask her about parental leave because apparently she's been very supportive of parental leave over the years. Really, in the Liberal Party? Exactly. And he says, "Come on," and kind of keeps pulling her behind him. They are. Try to run it as a Scott Morrison and please don't notice the rest of my front. But can you, can anybody listening to this off the top of their head name a single female liberal front bench? Oh uh, gosh, what's no? her name? The environment minister. Oh, the one that, that they're hiding that uh, yeah. was, uh, was Melissa Price, I think. I, I don't remember anymore because she, we never see her. It's Why? She's a, oh, what? What, what? Kelly O'Dwyer? No, she's retiring. I know. Julie but... Bishop, she's retiring. <laughs> Um, so Kelly and I didn't have a good experience of uh, being a mother and working as a federal parliamentarian in the federal Liberal Party. No, um, I do find it interesting that the environment minister is hiding when they, you know, took the Great Barrier Reef off the endangered list, which was never on the endangered list. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, it's another one of his great environmental claims this past week. That and that the fact that they've, you know, passed all that legislation to protect the animals that are on the critically endangered list and to Turn things around. Yeah, because we had this devastating revelation from the um, UN, one of the, uh, one of the UN bodies, uh, yes. I think it was on biodiversity or something, and they had what, like 400 scientists and, and researchers and so forth. Yes. It was basically that, what was it, a huge proportion of the world's uh, animals were about to be... The huge proportion had already been wiped out, and then a huge, another huge proportion are going to, and it is going to be a catastrophic change of our life. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we passed legislation that dealt with that. There's no legislation... Yeah, that's the only thing they could find that dealt with animals was a small section of a bill in February where it talked about animal testing for cosmetic testing. And then he's like, no, no, it was the budget because, you know, there was an, an environmental fund set up. and But that didn't go that week either. Actually, the Melissa Pricing uh, was a crack that Bill Shorten made in one of the debates this week where uh, Morrison demanded that Shorten tell him who will be Home Affairs Minister. And Shorten said, I'll choose after the election. But then he asks if Morrison will have the same environment minister. Uh, 
given that nobody knows where she is because she's ah. hiding. Yeah. Apart, okay. Apart from the the environment minister who's hiding, can any you name any other lib front benches who are women? Uh, if there's an obvious one that we're that we're just missing, um, there may be, and I'm just missing it. I can't think of it. I can't think of a single person. I can't think of, of who that would be, what, what portfolio it would be, which minister would it be. can't think of which one. Anyway, um, that the Australian article that uh, was up there trying to... And the, the article is called, I'll Respect You, Morrison's Vow to Women. Oh, that's nice. Aww. <laughs> is he, is he going to wear, like, a special ring that's, like, there's the symbol of his promise to us? <sighs> Um, oh, I don't. He's they're trying to get us to Gilead. In fact, nice segue because the other half of this article, which is not in the heading, and you have to read the article because it'll it'll catch you by surprise. Do you remember that religious freedom uh, inquiry that he had that um, he gave over to Philip Ruddock? Yes. Um, and then they sort of have kind of buried their response for a little bit because they were trying to go shh until after the election. <laughs> because that... they don't want his religious crackpot stuff to come out. Yeah, well, they don't want us focusing on what they're going to do. Oh. Um, they know that the religious uh, cranks are doing it, and we've played some audio recently of mm. the religious cranks basically being like, you know, darkness will fall across the land if Bill Short becomes Prime Minister, but if Scott Morrison comes in, it'll be great. Um, well, this is why. Um, quote, uh, in an exclusive interview with The Weekend Australian, Mr Morrison also said that he wanted to see protection for religious freedom introduced into Parliament in a, quote, non-contentious way, before the end of the year. Mm. So let's just, so if he gets back in within the next few months, he's going to bring in what he calls protection for religious freedom. And keep in mind that whenever uh, there are, in fact, the, the if you look at what the religious lobby uh, submissions were to the inquiry, whenever they talk about religious freedom, what they mean is we want to be able to bash gay people Metaphorically, not literally. They literally want to go and assault them. Oh. They want to create an environment in which um, other people do that for them. But uh, they don't. They, they just want to metaphorically demonise LGBTI people. Um, hence, all the you know, hashtag I stand with Israel Folau crap from people like oh. Archbishop of Sydney. Um, and yeah, whenever all of their examples were of people who want to attack, demonise, and demean LGBTI people, and there being some comeback. Well, this this person said they didn't like gay people, and then people boycotted their business. That shouldn't be allowed. Oh. So, and in fact, look, look, I, you don't need my paraphrasing of what they want because Morrison talks about what he understands that they want. Uh, it continues, Mr. Morrison said, "No one should be discriminated against for their gender, sexuality, fair enough, there are unchangeable basic characteristics, or religion." What? Uh, well, because you're born with a religion, right? You're born. Yeah, no, you're not, and it's a, it's like it, race. It's a it's a belief system. So don't. Mm. Um, what? How, what is so special about being like? Well, yeah, but mine's got a god in it, so therefore it should it deserves special protection. Why? Why do you need special protection just because you've got a belief in in a god? And why does your special protection allow you to discriminate against people, other people, and people who fall into those other categories? Yeah, um, and do do uh, in the same way as in the anti-discrimination legislation regarding not discriminating against people because of their sexuality, the religions get an exemption to discriminate against pe- get people because of their sexuality. Yeah, um, uh, shouldn't in return, uh, if you're going to have a, a special new, you can't discriminate against somebody because of their belief in God uh, or whatever their religious belief. Like so, basically, whatever their beliefs are that are uns- unsupported by science, that are just a, a matter of faith, um, they should definitely get. 
they should get protected. And we'll talk in a second about what he means by that. Um, should people different, uh, with um, different sexualities be able to have an exemption to that because of, in the same way as religious people get an exemption for the protections against uh, discrimination on the basis of sexuality? Should, should, it should go both ways, shouldn't it? Shouldn't, or or does their, what their protection is the only one that doesn't need any caveat because it overrides everything because we live in Gilead? Yes. <laughs> he, he continues. He says... So after no one should be discriminated against for their gender, sexuality, or religion, he says that, quote, many Australians feel their religious freedoms are being constrained. They feel uncomfortable, and they feel that they are being made to feel uncomfortable about their religion. That's the test, is it? Whether a religious person feels uncomfortable. So is a, a gay person saying to their religious parents, I'm gay, mum, dad, I'm gay. Is that that makes them feel uncomfortable? Should that be unlawful? Like, is, how is the test? Like, these are the same people who are like, people want to be, want to say that that they should be able to stop you saying things that that offend them. This isn't even a offend. This is a feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and really, that bothers me on so many levels. They're made to feel uncomfortable for their homophobic beliefs, for their racist beliefs, for their discriminatory beliefs. Well, good, good. I'm glad you're made to feel uncomfortable for having beliefs. That are ho- horrible and hostile and yeah, demonized and people. that are hurtful, that well, actually cause harm. Yeah, and, and and I think that's the thing. Like we, if you notice that whenever people talk about oh somebody's offended, it's not actually most of the time it's the people who are doing the harmful thing mm. who are trying to uh, undermine people criticizing them doing the harmful thing by just saying it's that their opponents are just offended. Mm. Normally, people who are objecting to this stuff aren't saying I'm offended. This offends me. They're normally saying. This stuff is dangerous and harmful. Stop well, it. it's it's like the point made after a lot of the Israel Folau stuff started happening, which was that the people protecting him and saying he has a right to say these things on social media were probably not jumping up and protecting the woman who worked for Cricket Australia who was talking about abortion. Yeah. Well, and see, I'd, I am very much uh, on board with the idea that employers shouldn't be able to police what people do and say in their private lives um oh. it shouldn't be the idea that employers own you when you're not at work is pretty revolting um but we've just seen the situation in uh in the with the public servant um who tweets us at la legale uh it's a high court case recently about, about oh. whether she could uh talk anonymously about political things as a public servant um they were connected to her department, not connected with any information that she was spreading. So it wasn't she was leaking information or anything. She wasn't. She was just having a, an opinion, and the department tracked her down, even though she was anonymous, and sacked her. Hence, a case. Uh, it, it's, like it's terrifying, and I do know quite a few people who work in Canberra and who have all curtailed anything they will say publicly or about anything which at is, all politically. Which is nonsense. Like, certainly people shouldn't be pretending to be representing their employers. Or nope. be, uh, but if you're, if you're tweeting something anonymously, then that's not bringing the department in. It's, it's a, you're, a, you you're enti- should be entitled to participate in, in debate should... as, a normal, as a person. But Absolutely. I have, haven't seen the IPA or the defenders of free speech coming in and supporting uh, at La Legale. Yeah, no. No. Um, and in the case of Israel Folau, look, that was more that he was using the prominent position that he got yes. through Rugby Australia in order to demonise LGBT people. He wasn't publishing, he wasn't even was publishing my... a Bible verse. He was publishing this feral meme that was like, you're all going to hell. And that's why they specifically have those clauses in their contracts. Um, 
because they are put into an elevated position where they are reaching a much wider audience than they would otherwise. And what they say and their actions do reflect back on the association, the team they play for and the sport they play. Yeah, he wouldn't have that soapbox if not for Rugby Australia. Uh And he uses that soapbox to cause harm. Damn right he shouldn't be allowed to do that. I mean, there should be other protections. Like it should, that should be the kind of hate speech that does have... It's the same sort of... It's the same sort of thing that in Sydney when NRL players go on a big drinking bender and get caught, you know, having a big bust-up fight out in King's Cross back in the day when you could actually drink past 11pm in Sydney. But, you know, they'd, they'd get really drunk and they'd get caught having a big fight or doing drugs or doing something really dumb and they'd get fired. They'd get similar thing because there'd be their picture would be on the front page of the Telegraph. Or they'd be all yeah, over social media the doing these things. Pardon? And it would harm the organization. The organization yeah, it harm, exactly. Harm on the basis of its, yeah. Um, given, yeah, and I suppose that's those are roles that are 24-hour roles. Like, they, they, they are um, remunerated accordingly, but they're roles that are prominent public roles, uh-huh. which is very different from an ordinary employee having... Um, having political views but the idea that an employer can sack you for those is, is disgusting but they can um hell employers can sack you if you're poly uh. um they can they, they, they all manner of disgraceful bases on which employers can unfairly sack you and then even if you are entitled to protections the unfair dismissal protections are incredibly weak so yes morrison says uh, said he was a passionate believer in religious freedom and that quote it was one of the most fundamental freedoms any human being can have i'm not sure why Again, why being re- a belief system being religious should trump everything else. But anyway. I think there is something to be said to having the freedom to practice religion, having the freedom to have or not have a religion as you choose. Yeah. And to follow that religion or not follow that religion as you see fit is a hugely important freedom. And that is something that people have fought for in a lot of places. And that is something that people do come here because they believe they'll have. It's freedom but, to have a belief system or whatever without being persecuted for it. But that shouldn't, it, whether absolutely. or not it's religious, it shouldn't be the determining factor. No, and... And you shouldn't be persecuted for it, but it also shouldn't trump other things. It shouldn't, you should, exactly, you should have the freedom to follow those beliefs, but you shouldn't have the freedom to, the right to impinge on what other people are just because of your beliefs. If if my political philosophy is that uh, all property is theft, that doesn't mean I can just walk into people's houses and and take stuff and then when the police come to to arrest me, be like, hey, but I don't believe in property. Mm. No, sorry, you know, we have... Certain the law sets boundaries between people with different beliefs. This next bit is particularly ironic, particularly given that Scott Morrison was an immigration minister who uh, dragged boats back to sea, uh, and supports that and intends it to continue. If somebody flees persecution, the libs don't care. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a genuine refugee, um, which most refugees who come here are. Um, they will drag you back to sea. So it's particularly ironic that he then says. So many people have come to this country to escape religious persecution, whether as Christians, as Hindus, as Muslims, as Buddhists, and Jews in particular. Yes, also as political um, you know, people who have uh-huh. their political beliefs. But anyway, um, this should be a place where none of that should matter and you should be able to worship freely and go about your faith comfortably. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so you're so committed to protecting people from uh, religious persecution that you drag them back to sea to try and blew them to go going back home. Great. Um, he said there were anti-discrimination laws to discover, cover race, gender, and sexuality, but none for religion, and they were required to complete the set. So race, gender, and sexuality, innate human characteristics. Mm. Religion, a belief system which is no more 
valid or important or, or worthy of extra privilege than any other belief system. But what, so why is that, why is that supposed to be treated the same as race, gender, and sexuality? What? I, I don't know. And it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that religion is considered in the, in that same category because it's not. Well, they're pla- and they're planning to give it that that privilege before the law, more than the privilege that it has. It's terrifying, and that he's saying that he wants to do this by the end of the year. Um, I was just saying that the last bit about this was about religious schools. Um, and check out the way that they phrase uh, the, the, the the huge, um, hugely convoluted way they describe schools being able to sack teachers for being gay. Before the election, the Coalition and the Labour Party were both considering laws to protect religious freedom, but there was a split over, this is it here, whether religious schools would be able to continue to refuse to hire teachers who openly opposed the fundamental beliefs and ethics of the school. You mean because they're gay? Yeah. That's what they want to be able to do, sat gay teachers. That's what. That's the only reason it came up. A teacher who's gay and he's married. Wow. Well, we don't like that. That's that's opposed. We we uh, we'd like to have the power to discriminate against you for that. So we should have it. Why? Why should you be allowed to? What? What the? We, that's just revolting. And Morrison. Well, Morrison's asked about it. And he says, "I'm aware of the concern, and I want religious schools to continue to be religious schools. Otherwise, what's the point?" Hmm. What is the point, indeed? In religious schools? Yeah. 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 I, I'm with Scott Morrison. That's a good question. What is the point of religious schools? Why should the compulsory education that we have in this country, that, that all children are sent to school to have a compulsory um, primary and secondary education, why is it that a bunch of them are sent, and we think this is okay, for them to be sent where their education on factual matters, on maths, science, English, geography, whatever, actual school subjects, yeah. they then have religion Stuff that is a sociological matter. It's a it's a matter in terms of how it's a political matter. It's certainly something that is a subject that should be studied as a social human phenomenon. But that's not what religious schools do. Religious schools teach it as a fundamental truth. This thing that they that is just a faith, and they like. I, I get you get emails from the um, anti equality people like the the, the binary liars um, out there complaining that that, that the uh, left want to indoctrinate children what the hell do they think religious schools are for yeah and how long it's... is it that they te- that kids are being taught where the vulnerable age where they 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 can't really distinguish between these things like some of their f- school subjects are factual and then they're being used that 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 credibility is being bled into somebody's religious faith i always find interesting that a lot of the people who hold this oh no they're going to put in crazed gender theory into your school's people are the same people who will you know let their kids hold fake weddings like their tiny kids or talk to you know talk about their three-year-old's girlfriend and boyfriend and and that sort of thing but you know oh. we're, we're not indoctrinating people into anything no the yeah the, <laughs> that is a scary worldview so we're going to end with uh two bits of audio uh and the first one is during uh one of the early debates i think it was the first debate in which Morrison basically tried to monster uh, Shorten by sort of storming over and demanding that he uh, answer his stupid question. And uh, Shorten came back with a comeback that got a laugh. Yep. 
That's what is the top income bracket going to get in 2024-25 and how much is that going to cost for the remainder of the see, medium term? See, this is the point about... $77 billion to yeah. the top 3% of earners. Yeah. That's nice money if see, you get it. I, I think, well, the other day when you met a, a worker in Gladstone... Where are you going? And they, they were earning $250,000 and you sidled up to him, you're having a bit of a chat to him and, and he complained about this and what did you say to him? He said, oh, we'll have a look at that. You couldn't look him in the eye and tell him that you were going to increase his taxes by 2% on the 1st of July of this year. Yeah. I'm just wondering. If, <laughs> okay. Can you look me in the eye you're and a, tell you're going to you increase classic, the taxes? You're a classic space invader. Um. <laughs> now, that last little bit got some attention, partly because Shorten made a pop culture reference that, that stuck in Jono's minds because Space Invader! I remember that game! Ah. Anyway, um, the, the Space Invader... Uh, uh, there may have been more than one, but there was there was at least one space invader exactly. coming slowly down the screen. Um, but it was also that Morrison was physically sort of monstering him, and, and he was. the Australian political memory uh, goes back as far as two thousand and four occasionally, and they remember that that photograph of Mark Latham sort of leaning in to shake Howard's hand in a sort of aggressive way was supposed to have sort of solidified in voters' minds that Latham was unhinged and scary, uh, which. Good work, voters' minds. You were correct on that particular one. He is unhinged and scary. Although, I don't know if he would have been unhinged and scary if he won that election. Maybe maybe the country rejecting him is what broke him. We never know. We'd never know. But in any case, if he had gone mad, the Labour Party would have rolled him and we wouldn't have had those last few years of Howard and the country would be better off as a result. any case, Morrison obviously saw all this coverage and it really got to him. And he obviously spent a couple of days that this is not... You know the um, what's the, the French expression? The spirit d'escalier, the, the spirit of the escalator, the bit where you're on your way after after you're leaving the thing. You're like, God damn, I know, I got the perfect comeback. Except it never happens to me as I'm leaving the thing. It always happens to me at 3 a.m. when I wake up to like go to the loo or something, and then I have the perfect comeback and I can't sleep because why didn't I give it then? I don't know what the French use for l'esprit de 3 a.m. See, if only I'd thought of saying that. Well, that is so often the way, sir. Too late one thinks of what one should have said. Sir Thomas More, for instance, burned alive for refusing to recant his Catholicism. Must have been kicking himself as the flames licked higher that it never occurred to him to say. I recant my Catholicism. Anyway, Scott Morrison clearly spent, and his comms team clearly spent a few days. So this is a few days before he came out with this one, trying to think of a comeback. And so this one he gave, safely to a Liberal Party gathering where there were no Labour people present, and nobody could, call, could laugh derisively at him for doing it. And anyway, he had a very sympathetic audience who were inclined to laugh at his lame jokes, and this is what he came out with. Who remembers Pac-Man? Anyone remember Pac-Man? And Jenny reminded me this 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 morning. You know that little thing that just goes around gobbling up like that? That's Bill Shorten's tax policy. Like that. And you know how it chases people around in the maze? That's Bill Shorten's tax policy. The only space he's going to invade is your wallet. That little thing that goes around, you mean Pac-Man? Yeah, he said that, but... But I, the way he then says, you know the little thing that goes around in it? Yeah, that little you thing. You know what Pac-Man is? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like that that, that bar, like that pie graph. Yeah. It's like bit of the graph that looks like Pac-Man, bit of the graph that doesn't look like Pac-Man. That one. Yeah. Oh, the only space he's going to... Oh, God. Uh, but I like, I like that it's just that's 
that thing gobbling thing up, that's Bill Shorten's tax policy. Wait, like, I'm surprised he didn't go on. Do you remember Tetris? Who remembers Tetris? Like when the blocks fall from the sky and then when there's a long one that makes things disappear, that's Bill Shorten's tax policy. Did you remember Mortal Kombat? When, I... when like, Scorpion rips out Sub-Zero's spine and, like, holds it above and, and says fatality? That's Bill Shorten's tax policy. I... Remember Mario when he jumps on a turtle? That's Bill Shorten's tax policy. I think it's more when he sinks down one of the sewer pipes. But Do you, um... do you remember Cruising USA when you're driving a car along and, and it, like, drives and then sometimes another car beats you? That's Bill Shorten's tax policy. I don't remember cruising USA, but the rest of them I'm Daytona? With you on. I don't know, one of those things. <laughs> yeah. um, what I'm amused at is just the just way like, he tries. He... You remember Pong, where the ball goes back and forth? That's Bill Shorten's tax policy. Like, it's just it's so vacuous. I enjoy the way he tries to make it sound so casual and natural. Oh, Jenny reminded me about this this morning. <laughs> yeah, you never had that conversation with your wife ever. It was totally an honest conversation I had with my wife this morning and not something that we workshop with my comms team for the last three days. Yes, well, I do worry about, about his uh, comms team. Oh the big thing they seem to be going right now is the word aspiration. So how much should we be sympathetic to people who uh, have a terrible job doing evil and promoting the interests of evil? You know what? No. If you're working for him on his comms team, you believe what you're saying and what you're selling. If you're a bad person, you believe evil stuff. No. I mean, I I sometimes have... I don't have have sympathy for people generally who work for News Corp at this point. It's basically if you're working for them, uh, knowing what's going on. I mean, I know it's important to have a job, but... They're pretty evil and you're facilitating it. Unless you're John Cadelka at The Australian where you're kind of using the position to undermine their editorial line with your witty cartoons. So there, that's that's decent. Or if you're Rick Morton, who apparently uh, has... Look, he had an explosion of courage this week where he was talking to um, journalism students and pointed out that the journalists at The Australian and News Corp are increasingly uncomfortable with the company's editorial line. Absolutely. And that, like, copy gets changed and headlines get changed and... That's fascinating. Hopefully, you know, if Morton needs to suddenly go somewhere else in a hurry, there's uh, somebody else who will snap him up because yeah, um, I, I haven't heard anything else from him for the rest of the week, but I'm hoping that he's okay. Yeah, me too. The um, But but as I was saying, the word aspiration is his is his word of the week. He's, uh, he's moved on past fair dinkum. Apparently they told him fair dinkum was passe. And... He gave a speech this morning where this he... Scott Morrison. Yeah, he gave a speech this morning where he said aspirational, like, three or four times within two paragraphs. Yeah, no, that checks out. Like that, 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 but that's the whole trickle-down um, nonsense, the idea. Because yeah. well, it's, it's harder to pitch at people on the basis that your policies will advantage them when they only advantage a very small percentage of voters at the very top. But if you can pitch at people who want to have more and, uh, and think that they will somehow get it, you can appeal to their aspirations rather than their real real life experience because your policies are terrible for their real life experience. Exactly. I suppose you're reduced to that at that point, aren't you? Well, talking about um, first-time homebuyers, he says, you know, they're getting locked out of their opportunity and their aspiration. And then about three sentences later says, Australians know they can trust us with their money. No, um, we don't. Quite the opposite. Yeah, they know that they can trust us with their money and that's why they know they can trust us to run the country and keep the promise of Australia to all Australians, particularly those who want to realise that uh, most Australian of aspirations, that is to buy their first home. Yeah, no, no, they don't do that in other countries in the world. It's purely an Australian thing. It's, yes. it's, it's definitively Australian. If, if, in fact, if you go to another country and somebody's saving up for a house, they, they actually call that doing an Australian. Well, it, actually, back in Canada, all my friends were like, wow. 
I can't believe you have that Australian aspiration to one day own your own home. Yeah. Presumably in Canada, they live in like newspapers wrapped over the top of a branch of a tree or something. And, well, yeah. they live under maple leaves. They live in like little... Little, little maple sort of, leaf houses, yeah. Like, like... Like piles of leaves, like they just sort of dive into them, and that's that's like that's why when when you're going through in autumn at the moment here in Australia, when people like when kids are going through the leaves, they're like, you know, be careful, there might be a Canadian living in there. Like it's it's classic. In the same <laughs> way, is, as Canadians are like, very classic. You know, I'm hoping very that they're hoping that somebody will be do an Australian and buy my house. Yeah, but that's when they say house, they just mean a pile of leaves, obviously. It's, it's a strange, a strange world that we live in. Anyway, that that's enough for this episode because it's gone on. Uh, it, it's been a bit of a big one. We're going to try and do another episode before the weekend, so this is actually kind of to make up for the fact that last week's got delayed rather than yeah. the only episode for this week, and you don't get another one for the brief one. So, thank. And then we're going to try and do one right after the election. So you say. So you say. Uh, <laughs> it's also my birthday this weekend, uh, so I'm. Ho- <laughs> you share a birthday week with both Bill Shorten and Scott Morrison. How do you feel about that? I, I share it with lots of evil people. Um, there's, there, there's only so many days in the year, and there's a lot of people in the world. True. I, I feel it's likely that I, yeah, no, that there's, it's, it's not being kept aside just for me. And, Which and is sad, actually. I mean, it should be. But anyway, thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you for subscribing, for enabling the podcast to keep going. Uh, thank you to our listeners who come back each week. Thank you to everybody who communicates with, uh, chats with us on at Well May We Say. Thank you to people who comment on the on the website. Um, and thank you to Alex Lum for the artwork. Thank you, Robert Gray, for the music. Thank you, Denise. You're very welcome. And we'll see you all later in the week. Bye. See you later. Bye.